On this episode, I sit down with Dr. Charles Gemmy, an orthodontist out of Philadelphia, and we talk about why he chose orthodontia as a profession, the importance of investing in your staff, and doing the right thing. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on another episode of the Pursuit of Purpose. Today, I am with Dr. Charles Gemmy, who is an orthodontist in Pennsylvania um, and at, in Philadelphia in particular at a practice called Orthodontics Limited. Dr. Gemmy, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for inviting me on. Before we get into our discussion, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and um, maybe what led you into orthodontia in particular? Sure. Well, I was born and raised in the Philadelphia area, so I always knew I, I loved the area and I wanted to stay around this area. Um, I went to Villanova University for undergraduate training, uh, which I'm very excited about. We got Villanova's in the uh, NCAAs now, hoping they make it on to the uh, to the Sweet 16 round after this weekend. Uh, then I uh, went on to Temple University for dental school. Um, and at that time, now I knew I wanted to be a dentist ever since I was, uh, since I was in, in late grade school, early high school. So going to dental school was kind of a given for me. So, but when I went into dental school, I didn't really have an idea of what part of dentistry that I wanted to get involved with. So I decided to do uh, what's called a general practice residency. And I did that at Einstein Medical Center in Philadelphia. And doing a general practice residency for a nice, dental okay. student is a, uh, it's a nice thing to be able to do because it lets you branch out into all different kinds of aspects of dentistry. Allowed me to try my hand in periodontics, placing implants, oral surgery, uh, endodontics. Um, got to try some orthodontics, so it was really nice. And then after that, I went on to then I decided to apply to the orthodontic program there because I had a chance to work with the residents there and I saw what an impact they had made on people's lives being an orthodontist. So I applied to the program and I was accepted there. So I was lucky enough. And then there's three more years of orthodontic training at Einstein. And that's kind of my, uh, my educational background. Um, and then during the residency that I met uh, my current partner, he was an instructor there. And we've been in practice together, oh gosh, since the year 2000. And then uh, after I graduated, uh, I was honored. They, they asked me to stay on at Einstein as an attending instructor. So I've been teaching and practicing ever since. Wow. So one of the things that you just mentioned that I want, I'd like to have you elaborate on, you said you saw the impact that orthodontists in particular had on their patients. Um, is, was there, is there actually, or in your perspective, how is the impact different for an orthodontist compared to a dentist or another specialist? Well, as an orthodontist, you're primarily working with uh, young kids, with teenagers, they're going through the awkward stage in life where they're really funny about how they, they're self-conscious about their appearance, about how they talk, um, what other people think of them. So when I had these kids that come in and they've got these teeth that are, you know, you can tell they're very self-conscious of their smile because they're covering their mouth. They're kind of looking away when I talk to them. And when I saw that when I was in my residency, I said, well, you know, these are, these are people that you can really influence and you can touch their lives. So when you take a child like that and, you, and all of a sudden you see their teeth starting to straight out after you start their treatment, and all of a sudden they're looking at you differently, they're smiling, they have a little more confidence, 
uh, when I see that kind of a change in somebody, that really makes makes you feel good. And when I was a kid and I had braces, my orthodontist did the same thing for me. I had a lot of gaps in my teeth. I was always self-conscious of them. So having a great smile just means a lot. And it's it's amazing what when you take the braces off, my favorite appointment is that day when, when the braces finally do come off and, and the whole family's there and the, and the child's beaming. And you just see this whole difference in, compared to when we look back when they started and you're looking at that awkward phase when we had their initial pictures taken. And then you see that they've just kind of blossomed into this in this wonderful person that all of a sudden has confidence and looks right at you when you talk to them. So that, that really enticed me into the orthodontic profession. And you do the same thing with general dentistry, but I, I found orthodontics to be especially rewarding in that regard. Mm. And you so you mentioned that. I was, that was actually going to be my next question. So you also were – you needed braces um, as a, well, I'm assuming, middle school, high schooler? Because I, I had braces as well. And uh, one of the things that I remember is just um, – Going going into high school, I had um, because I'm a, a bigger guy, I'm six six. Um, I have a very large jaw. This is all I've come to find out now, and my teeth are basically like half the size proportionally that they should be. So I had I had a very um, just a lot of extra space in my mouth, and. Um, I do remember, I, I not only that I had just in the front teeth in particular, I was very, I hated smiling. I hated it. I would, I became the king of making goofy faces and just like, you know, over the top because I was compensating for like anytime there was a picture, I was the one that always wanted to do something silly or funny because it was more comfortable for me to, you know, be dumb than to try and look nice and polished. So did you do you do you remember a similar experience or um thinking back on your high school days prior and then post two braces? Yeah, what's well, interesting, you know, when I had braces when I was in and I actually had them on when I was in grade school, at the time the uh, orthodontist still used the big rings on every single tooth and when you smiled, you know, you looked like you had railroad tracks going across your teeth. So you know, not only at the time, it, it, orthodontics wasn't as accepted back then as it is today. Like, I have kids that come in today that get disappointed if I tell them they, do, they don't need treatment because they all want to do braces. All their friends have braces on. It's like the cool thing now. But when I was a kid, it was it was a little bit more challenging. So having to go through that, you know, and I had to keep the big picture in the back of my mind that when I got the braces off, you know, the gas would be closed. I'll have a much nicer smile. And that's what it was. So when I, so it was a little awkward going through the process, but then when I finished, nothing better than that. You really feel like you know you're blossoming into, you, know, you kind of go from the ugly duckling to the to the swan. Mm. So going into the orthodontic business, something that I'm curious about um, for a lot of dentists, uh, dentistry in particular, and obviously orthodontists and oral surgeons, kind of a unique. Um, profession where you have the, unlike a medical doctor that will frequently go work for a hospital, you have the opportunity to actually own and run and grow your own business. Was that something that played into your desire um, or um, when you're looking at different careers to go into? Did the business side of it 
um, excite you at all? Or is it that was kind of just like, yeah, you know, you could do that, but it was still very focused on the patients? Mm-hmm. Well, the business side kind of comes along with it when you're running practice. So you have a couple a couple options that you can go into uh, when you go into uh, orthodontics and dentistry and any kind of specialty. You can either open up your own practice or you can go work for somebody or there's actually uh, managed service organizations that'll run the practice for you. Um, I always liked the idea of being independent and being my own boss. Uh, when I was, uh, another, just going back to when I was a teenager, um, I always knew I kind of wanted to be a dentist and my neighbor growing up was a dentist and uh, I would go work for him in the summertime and I saw that, you know, when he was working, he loved what he was doing, he was his own boss, he made his own hours, you know, he, he wasn't behind a desk all day. So, but he did tell me the hard part of it was running the business and you had to learn about running a business. So, so when I got out of school, when I partnered with my partner, uh, he was he was already in business, so I kind of learned from him. So they don't teach you the business aspect aspect of it in dental school. You kind of learn that in the school of hard knocks when you get out and you and you're starting your career. So you, it's nice to have somebody to be a mentor and help you with that. Um, now some programs do have you know um, MBA affiliations with certain uh, universities, um, but I find that you know that in the past 20 years of practice that I've really learned a lot. The dentistry I love. And the orthodontics part of it is my passion, um, but the reality is, you know, you are running a business, and that can be challenging at times. Yeah, especially the thing that's unique in being a business owner, and I've talked to this very talked to a lot of dentists frequently about the basically when when you are not uh, seeing a patient in the chair or you know working on a case, there's no there's no money being made when. Um, your, you know, you can only be gone for so long. You could never create a self-sustaining business unless you kind of make a jump to bringing on a lot of associates and kind of restructuring. But has that been something that has been stressful, or how have you tried to deal with that, or is that just not a problem for you? Well, in orthodontics, you know, when you when when you're seeing patients, you know, you're seeing you typically what will happen is, is that we'll meet the patients and. Um, you know, the hard part is, is, is getting the patients in the door. So it's important to have a great reputation and to have a good following in, in the neighborhood, in the area. Um, we've been fortunate in that, you know, we've been doing this for a while now that, you know, that the patients know about us. They want to come see us. Um, we've become kind of a fixture in the neighborhood. So it hasn't been as much of an issue. Um, but it is true, though, the, uh, the value of the practice isn't so much the, the physical practice itself. It's more uh, of us, the, the people that are in it, the orthodontists. So, um, so you're right. So when we, when we aren't here and when um, or if we're busy with other things and we're not, we're not focused on our patients, you know, then, then it is true. Then the, the, you know, the kind of the, uh, the financial part of it kind of lacks a little bit. So we have to always keep that in the back of our head. And so you have currently in your practice, can you give me some, uh, how big are you, how many doctors, staff, um, how many patients do you see on a regular basis? Well, we have, uh, there's uh, my partner and I, uh, we've been together close to 20 years now, and uh, we do have an associate who joined the practice uh, about two years ago. Uh, she's a great story. She was actually a patient of ours when she was in high school, and uh, then she came to work for us as an assistant and grew to love orthodontics so much that she decided to go to dental school. And when she went to dental school, she graduated and decided to become an orthodontist. 
and uh, we were able to train her. So we kind of know we know her very well. So it's all worked out well because it's, it's a real big family here. Uh, we've got most of our staff members have been with us close to 20-some years. I mean, my partner started the practice close to almost 28 years ago, and a lot of the staff members are still the same ones that have been with him from the beginning, been with us. So um, so we do have the, the, the same type of faces. We see the same people here a lot. So we have... Uh, it depends on the day. Some patients, some days we'll see 40 patients. Some days we'll see 60 patients. It just depends on, on the flow and how many hours we're putting in that day. Um, we've got maybe about 25 staff members that help us between the two offices. We have two locations that we, uh, that we try to uh, keep running uh, every day. So, um, you know, it is a little challenging at times, but uh, for the most part, uh, it's always been a nice, happy family here, and we've, we've been fortunate to have people that, that have the same passion and the same values that we do that surround us every day because we are like a big family. That's crazy. I, I would um, be willing to wager that uh, there's probably not very many orthodontists that um, have had that experience with Dr. Pale that you did of actually treating the patient, then having them work as an assistant, and then getting to uh, bring her on as an associate, as an actual orthodontist. That's pretty incredible. It, well, it makes me feel kind of old in the fact that we treated her, but, um, <laughs> but it makes me, it's very rewarding in that you see somebody that you influenced at a very young age, and she'll, and she's told us, you know, the reason why she became an orthodontist was because of her experience here at our office. So that really made us feel great. And the fact that she's now come on and, and has become a part of our family and a, and a part of our team, um, it's wonderful. And the patients know her, they, you know, she's, uh, She's someone that's been around for a long, long time with us. And even though she's only been an orthodontist for a few years, you know, it feels like she's been a part of her family you know, forever. So it's been wonderful. So do you, do you um, in the business side of things, as a business owner, where where do you think or, or what is your, um, how much emphasis, I guess I should say, do you put on leadership in particular? and you focusing on developing your own leadership skills? Well, I think it's important to be, you know, to have uh, excellent leadership skills because you do have, you know, each office we, we have uh, 12, 13 staff members in each office, and, you know, you need to set an example. You know, I'm a real big believer in leadership by example. So, you know, I always tell staff you've got to be, you know, if you're, if you're on time, you're late. You've got to be here five minutes early, ten minutes early to get ready for work. Um, and if I'm late, you know, that doesn't really set a good example. So, I always try to, to tell the, to tell our staff and, and you know we want to treat people like we want to be we want to be treated. I always follow that golden rule, and so with that you know as long as I'm on my as long as I'm being the best leader I can possibly be, you know I try to hope that they will imitate what I'm doing and that they will follow by my example. Do you think that um, or what characteristics would you say make someone a good leader? I think somebody that. Um, is open to it allows people to talk to them. They instill confidence in somebody. Um, I had a, uh, a great uh, leader when I was in when I was in my residency. Um, my program director at the time was Dr. Alan Borslow, and he taught me very early on that you know we looked up to him. And whenever he would we would have an issue, we would have something come up. He would never embarrass us in front of in front of a patient. He would never embarrass us in front of a, another resident. If we didn't do something right. You know, he would pull us aside and he would say, listen, he would say, Chuck, you know, this is what you needed to work on this. Or I was a little disappointed about that. But luckily, it wasn't that I had to be, uh, we had a lot of discussions, but he just taught me, you know, when I followed his example, he always looked very professional. 
Um, he spoke to he spoke to us professionally. So I try to do the same thing when I'm in my office here. You know, when I, if I have an assistant that's having an issue, and I'll never I'll never uh, talk down to somebody in front of a patient. I'll never talk down in front of their coworkers. We always discuss it, and um, you know. So I think if you do those kind of things, you know, you, people respect you, and the more they respect you, the more the value as a leader. Hmm. So, and this was a the guy you're talking about was a teacher in or yeah, what's the word your advisor in as a resident is that right yes he was he was the he was actually our, our the chairman of our department of the dental department at einstein medical center he was a he was my program director and chairman so he was the uh, he was the big boss there mm. and then um just out of curiosity because i read a lot of um books on leadership and managing people and whatnot have there been any um books or other people besides that um, gentleman that have been influential on your perspective or approach to leading your team? Well, I look to my, look to my partner as a good example, too. Um, he's always been, been very respectful to the staff. Um, he treats everybody with kindness, and, you know, and he's very confident in what he's doing. So when I look at somebody like that, you know, I try to emulate the way his characteristics are, and I hope that you know, as, as I as I've learned and as I've grown <clears throat> over the years, you know, I'm trying to emulate what he's done, and I think that served me well. Um, but he's been a great example for me too, especially coming in as an associate and then become a partner. You know, you don't know much about the business side of it and how to run a practice and how to be a leader in the practice. And he set a great example for me, and, and I try to follow that every day. Hmm. And then, as far as um. The, obviously, part of being a successful um, orthodontist is, is um, you don't want to focus too much on the money or the financial side of it. But obviously, if you're not a profitable, well-run organization, you're not going to be able to be an orthodontist for very long. Um, what is what is the? Uh, I guess my the question I have is, as an orthodontist and business owner. How do you, or over the 20 years that you've been practicing, what are some of the key things that you realize or have discovered that have been very influential in growing a growing the practice, not necessarily just in size, but in just efficiency and um, sustainability? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we put in some systems in place that have worked well for us. You know, we have uh, certain procedures that we do at certain times during the day. Um, we train our staff very well so that the, that the day flows very easily. Um, we have regular staff meetings to keep everybody up to date with what's going on. Uh, we attend a lot of continuing education courses together as a, as a team. So we learn the latest and the best technologies to service our patients. Um, over the years, I've found that, you know, having a great staff around you is so important. I mean, they interact with their patients every day. I mean, the patients will come in um, because of the because of the doctors, but it's really the staff and the, and the smile that they give the patients that that makes patients feel really really comfortable at home. So, um, so over the years, we found that a lot of patients have told us that you know, what with why they refer their friends is because of the experience they've had with us. You know, they don't feel like they're a number in our practice. They feel like you know that when they come in, they're seeing the same faces and they're always smiling and they're always asking. They and and we know the families so. We're always asking how people are doing, you know, how did Joey do in baseball the other day? Um, those kind of things, 
you know, kind of set you apart because I've had some people that have come to us and maybe have been to like different types of practices, medical practice, you know, you kind of come in, nobody really greets you, you, you know, you're just kind of a number. And, you know, at our practice is a little different than that. You know, we, we, we find the time to actually sit down and get to know our patients, which is critical because, you know, I'm, you know, we've always told the patients, you know, people don't know how, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I find that mantra works well for us because, over the years, people would stop coming to us if they if they had the feeling that we were um, that we didn't we didn't value our patients in that way. So I find that's a great great mm-hmm. mantra to live by. And that is, they don't know they don't care how much you know until they care, until they know how much you care. That's it. Yeah. So you got to You got to mm-hmm. tell. I always tell the I tell our staff. You know, the the patients that come in. Now, we tend to focus on the teeth sometimes, but you really need to focus on the person behind the teeth. You know, we can fix the teeth, we can do all that, but you want to find out, you know, how their day's going, what, kind of, what, what gets them excited, what activities they're involved with. Um, that's all part of, of, of a great experience and, and, and what makes us do what we do. I mean, you know, the orthodontics is, is kind of our job, but working with the patients is our passion, and that's something that we just love to do. And when you do that, when you have a passion for what you're doing and working with people, you know, things just tend to tend to grow. And you know, I've always told the residents when I'm teaching at the hospital, you know, the cream always rises to the top. You know, so you might open up a practice and you might feel like, you know, it's taking a little bit of time but to grow it. But after a certain amount of time, you'll find that your word gets out, patients start to show up, you know, you're, you're going out, you're meeting the community. And the more you do that, uh, the more you're going to grow. And that's why that's the way that's kind of been the way we've done things over the years here. Is that we've you know we've treated people with with kindness and respect, and along with having excellent outcomes, we have a, a reputation in the area of, of uh, having fantastic results. You know, we love giving beautiful smiles, and you know you do that combined with uh, caring people for who they are. You know, that's just a win-win combination. Hmm. Yeah, because obviously <laughs> it sounds like what you're saying is the slow and steady wins the race sort of thing, but. Uh, in the end, you also do have to be very good at what you do um, and just trust that um, word will get out and things will start clicking. Um, but it sounds like it may be – was it pretty slow in the beginning? It was a little slow in the beginning as I came in, you know. But not, and once again, now I had, the, I had the, the, uh, the ability to come into an existing practice. So, but I had to build it to the point where patients were coming in and, the, and they knew who I was. So. Um, so what I did when I, when I came into the practice is I started doing a lot of community outreach. So one of the things that I do every year is I, uh, is I go to the schools in the area and I do dental health presentations, especially during the month of February, which is Dental Health Month. And uh, every February I go to, and, and I, I was just at a school this morning, as a matter of fact, um, I go to about, it could be 13, 14 schools in the area each year, and I talk to the students about dental health and the importance of of having a great smile and what it does for you and how to take care of your teeth and, 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 and reasons for taking care of them. So, um, you know, so I've gotten out in the community a lot where people have gotten to know me pretty well. So it did take some time, but I found over the years, you know, the more and more I'm out there and the more we're taking care of our patients, the more the reputation grows and the busier you get. Hmm. That's interesting that I feel like, what you're describing sounds very logical to me, but I, I'm, my intuition is that not a lot of orthodontists or dentists, for that matter, 
will put in the time to go do that community outreach. Is that been, have you, would you agree with that? Or do you feel like. I would, I would agree. I mean, it does take a lot of work to do that. And it's, you know, and once again, when you're out, when you're out and about doing that, you know, like we talked about in the beginning, you know, your practice isn't generating income when you're doing that, but you hope that, you know, by getting out there and, and people start putting a face with the name that all of a sudden you say, you know, when, when they do need orthodontics, you know what, this guy came to my school, you know, and, and he seems like a nice guy and they, they, can, they can kind of see you and put a face to you and all that. And, and it kind of makes you, it humanizes you. So you're not just some picture in a book or a picture on a website. Um, you're actually a physical person that, that, the, uh, that kids have come to know. So, uh, so it does help. And I, and I think that, you know, by doing that, you know, you're opening the doors to future growth. I really think that you're kind of uh, building some some uh, rapport for the future. So I think it's important. Mm. But you're right. I don't see I don't see a lot of dentists that do that. Um, and you have to be comfortable in talking in front of people. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, um, but it's something that I've I've developed over the years, and and um, it's worked well for me. It actually mm. it's actually started as a presentation I did for my for my kids' school when they were younger. One of the teachers asked me if I'd come in and talk about dental health to the kids, and I said, Sure, I'll do that. And then when I was there, you know, I just had so much fun doing it that I said, you know what, I wonder, you know, if I could do this for other schools too and started sending letters out and, and they, uh, they started with a couple schools and then graduates built up and now the word of mouth has gotten out about our dental health presentations and I have schools that call me every year and, and ask me uh, to come in and talk to their students. So it really is, it, it really is well. It's a win-win. That, that is very, very cool. cool. Do you ever do you take, ever take staff, staff members, members with you? With you? I do. You know, I take staff members with me and, uh, you know, introduce them to the community. And I've also, in the past couple of years, I've partnered with uh, my local pediatric dentist who, one of the dentists that we work a lot with, and he's come along with me as well. And, and so we kind of split the presentation up and we, we handle different parts of it. But it, it's, been a nice, uh, it's been a nice partnership with him. So the patients get to know who he is and they get to know who I am. So it works out, works out really nicely. So the thing that, or one of the themes I feel like um, is very prominent with, well, actually, really any practice, not just um, uh, orthodontist, but you have, your staff is a critical, you're talking about, you know, the golden rule and all these things that you live by, but for the average patient appointment, what I'm guessing percentage-wise, the orthodontist himself only sees the patient for what 20% of the time. Usually, it's it's mostly the assistants and the front desk and everybody else in your staff that's really interacting and um, has more of an opportunity to get to know the patient, like you're saying, show the patient that you care about the rest of their life and everything else that's going on. So my uh, something that I think would be very critical is obviously hiring the good, hiring good people, and then fostering and developing those um, those good people that you find. Yep, absolutely. You know, I can't stress enough how important it is to have good people that work with you. And you know, we're fortunate in that you know we've had a lot of the people over the years that have been with us, but even the new people that have joined our practice recently, um, they quickly learn what it's like to be a member of our family. And they, they really assimilate very quickly. And, and you're right. You know, I, I spend, you know, I get to meet the patients at the first appointments and get to know them really well. Uh, the staff spends a, a good amount of time. So all of our assistants are certified orthodontic assistants. So they, they'll put the wires in. They'll put the rubber colors on. 
I always put the braces on the teeth, which is a critical appointment. Um, but I, we see the patients every appointment, and I love to catch up with them. And, and mostly my job is to just make sure the treatment's moving along according to plan and to kind of handle things as they come up if any kind of um, adjustments to the treatment plan are needed. You know, I always like to monitor that with the patients. So, and we always like to you know, keep the parents updated as to how their, their child's treatment is progressing. Um, so it, it, it really is nice when you have staff that kind of, they kind of know how you like to practice and they, and they, they kind of go along with that as well. And that's, you know, I've had people tell me that, you know, that they love our staff and, and that, you know, one of the reasons that, one of the big reasons that they come to our practice is because of the staff and it's the people that they get to visit with every time. So it is important. And you said you've had a lot of the staff for a significant portion of uh, the duration of the practice's existence. How do you keep people around for that long? Well, once again, you treat them with respect. You, 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 you treat them the way that you'd want to be treated. And, you know, we do constantly, we're doing team building activities. You know, we, uh, uh, we, every year we, 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 we have a, a nice holiday party every year. And we also try to get out of the office every so often. And we go to continue education events together. So I've gotten to know the staff, not just as employees, but I really consider them to be friends. And uh, when we're out of the office, we have a we have a great time together. We have we, but when we are in the office, we work hard. So we work hard and we play hard. So when you do all that together, mm. you know it really adds up to to a great team experience. And you, and your, your office was actually, actually one that I remember from the, the uh, CareStream conference, conference down, down in Orlando. Orlando. You brought, you brought like, like ten, 10 staff, staff members, members, right? Right. We did. Yep. Yeah, we we brought about ten staff members because we need to keep. We always want to stay on the cutting edge of of, uh, of orthodontic treatment. You know, just like everything going on in technology in our world, you know, orthodontics is also part of the big technology evolution. And there are so many new things coming out in orthodontics that we want to stay on the cutting edge of it. So we have to attend these these uh, courses, and we want to keep up with the latest trends and things, so that we can provide the best care for our patients. And so there's obviously local um, dental society meetings that you can go to, but one thing that is very impressive to me, and I'm curious if this was something that was that you slowly experimented and kind of dip your toe in, your toe in, and you had you know two people come and then five people and then now you're bringing uh, like a third of your staff, almost half of your staff, to these to a conference like CareStream. That's not a cheap um, business expense, but is that something that do you guys do that every year? Have you found that it's you know incredibly like provides returns like you know ten times over? But I just feel like my my intuition is all those things that you said that are um, keeping the staff there are all critical. But one of the other ones is just when you are an employee and your boss is spending you know, several thousand dollars um, on an annual or, you know, semi-frequent basis to continue to help you grow in your skill set, that also has to speak loudly as well for them. Yeah, well, that shows them that we value them not only as employees, but as people. And I'm always, I'm always telling our staff that you always want to build up your toolbox. You know, you have your, your skill set toolbox that you have, and the more you can learn in this industry, the better. Because you know, even if even if uh, at some point you know you, you move or your your career choices change, you know at least you always have you know the ability to 
you'll have the ability to either work, you know, the computer systems in orthodontic office, you'll be able to work with patients, you'll be able to talk to patients, you'll be able to review insurance, you know, all these things, you know, the more that they learn, it, it increases their knowledge and allows them to be more helpful to our patients. So, so every assistant, we try to cross-train everybody here so that, you know, an assistant that might work at the front desk, they can also come back and help us in working the clinical area as well. And vice versa, we, we've been training some of our clinical staff to be able to work at the front desk so that, you know, we can kind of fill in as needed. So, you know, even though you don't make any money when you go to these, you know, continuing education events, you're really investing in your staff and you're investing in the people that are, that are representing you in your office. So I think that's money well spent. Mm. So what's – absolutely. So what's the next um... – like goal or do you guys have annual goals for um orthodontics limited how do you continue to align every all the staff members towards um achieving or accomplishing something well we have at our staff meetings we have uh, we have goals of where we'd like to be in the practice you know, production figures where we'd like to see our, our production at um you know the part of the business side of it but we also talk to them about uh, about how to how to treat people, how to work with people. You know, we we're always big on you know making sure that they have empathy towards our patients. So um, that's the, the primary focus of a lot of our meetings is is how to how to work with people and how to do that. Um, so we've got a lot of a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. The other things we're learning is that you know the three D three D technology is really taking off and. You know, we do a lot of Invisalign. We do a lot of the um, uh, the 3D. We have the 3D scanners now that actually scan the teeth in into the computer, so you don't have to take any physical impressions anymore. Um, 3D printing is going to become big in orthodontics in the future. And as a matter of fact, at the at the next orthodontic trade show, one of the things we're going to be looking looking at and learning about are 3D printers for the office. So I think that in the next next five six years, you're going to see that really becoming a big thing. Um, so we have to keep up with the trends and, and keeping our staff up to date with that is a big part of it. Wow, that's impressive to, um, and it's exciting for me to, because I'm a huge technology junkie, um, but that's cool to hear someone like you that is very attentive and paying attention to where things are going and trying to continue to experiment, you know, test and try things Um to make sure that you're not falling behind. Yep. Yeah, it's important because you know, when you, the other thing you got to be aware of too is that you know there are there are new orthodontists that that are graduating and they're coming out and you know, there everybody's got um, you know, places to go, places they want to open up at. So, we have to make sure that you know that we're staying uh, staying on top of the trends because one thing we don't want to become is complacent. Cuz once you become complacent, you can end up like, you know, kind of like what Toys R Us is going through right now, you know. So, you have to stay on top of the trends. You got to stay one step ahead of, of of the latest and greatest thing. So it's very important that Absolutely. we do that. So, what has surprised you the most since starting your journey? What surprised me the most? Um, I would say what surprised is, is just exactly how much of an influence you have on people. You know, I uh, that surprised me. I always knew that orthodontics was a fun field, and you know, you're 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 working with with you know young kids and impressionable kids. But what surprised me the most is is you know I've had some patients that have that have come to me and and they've come to observe at the office, and I've had two or three over the years that have gone into dentistry because of the experience that they've had. So I guess it's 
it's kind of surprising. I guess maybe it shouldn't be as surprising, you know, as I'm thinking about it now, because when I was a kid, you know, what influenced me was my, my dentist. So I guess it kind of makes me feel good, but I guess I'm a little, I was a little surprised at the same time. So um, I, I guess that's probably one of the biggest things that surprised me over the years, just exactly how much of an influence that you can have on people by, you know, by doing what we do and treating them with respect and giving them great smiles and make them raving fans. You know, it's just, it's all part of it. So. Right. Do you, so this is, I have a follow-up question to this, but so you've been practicing now for 20 years. Do you have a, a number in your head or a target on how much longer you want to practice for? Uh, that's a good question. I was th- my wife and I talk about that every so often. And, you know, when I was younger, I thought I'd want to retire when I was, you know, uh, 58, 59, like my father did, you know, and he got out and traveled. But, you know, but the closer I get to that age, the more I'm like, well, you know what, I, I, I want to keep doing this. You know, I don't really want to, I don't really want to retire anytime soon. So, you know, I, I don't have an exact date set up, you know, and kind of like the nice thing with orthodontics and dentistry is, you know, when, when you get, when you get tired of doing it, then, you know, you just kind of cut back your hours, maybe sell part of your practice to somebody else and you kind of work for somebody else then. So um, at some point, you know, I could see myself, you know, kind of winding down a little bit, and I would love to do more teaching at some point. I really enjoy teaching the residents at, at, at Einstein Medical Center, and, you know, at some point, you know, if I do kind of wind down over the next 15, 20 years, um, that would be something I could see myself doing. So I don't see myself, you know, retiring and, and stop doing this altogether. Um, I'd say maybe I'll slow down a little bit more in private practice and maybe pick up a little bit more time with teaching because I, I really do enjoy that. And I was going to say, when so just throwing out a number say 20 30 years from now um what does success look like for you not necessarily just in orthodontia but what is a successful or fulfilling life um to you what what is it that you um are focused on or that you try that you're working towards to you know be able to sit back and reflect on your life and just be, you know, happy with what you've been able to do or accomplish or, or whatever. Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, the, I'll look back on my life and I'll say, you know, if my, if my kids are happy, if they're living life to, the, to its fullest potential, um, if the practice is in great hands um, and I've made a lot of friends over the years that, that I've gotten to grow old with, um, I consider that to be pretty successful. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't look at success, like you said. I don't look at it primarily in a financial aspect. I look at it when you're, you know, someone's always, someone said to me once, when you're laying on your deathbed, you know, what will you look back and what will you remember the most? And it's, and it's not so much, you know, the, 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 uh, the money you've made or, or the, uh, the time you were in, in, in going through school. It's more the lives you've touched and, and the people that you've gotten to know over the years. So, I think to me that's that would be uh, would be a very successful uh, career if I can look back at it and say you know what my kids are happy my family's doing well um, you know the patients I treated over the years are thrilled they're they're everybody's doing well that that that's very successful to me and that's that's kind of like the icing on the cake so to speak. Hmm. So the last questions here, um, just recommendations from you. Uh, what books, or if you, I don't know if you have one in particular, but I always ask for three book recommendations um, that could be either focused on dentistry, business, or leadership, or just um, books that you've enjoyed. Do you have three recommendations? You know, Chris, it's interesting. You know, I, I, I do read, um, I, I, I used to read a lot when I was in high school and in college. 
Um, but over the years, I haven't read it as much, and I and I accept if you consider Game of Thrones being good reading material, <laughs> I've read, you know, I do those <laughs> kind of books. Um, but I do read the orthodontic journals a lot. I try to keep up to date with all the uh, the technology that's going on. Um, I, I did enjoy the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, you know, the kind of a perspective on life and how you should really just kind of focus on the bigger picture of things and don't don't worry about the little things in life. Um, you know, I do a lot of, uh, I enjoy listening to the teaching company on, on uh, through my phone, you know, the, through the, uh, uh, through the app, and I like to learn about different things. You know, right now I'm, I'm learning about Rome and, and, and how they came to be. So when I'm in the car, I'm, you know, I'm trying to, to educate myself on different things that maybe uh, I haven't really uh, have had time to listen to before, learn before. So, you know, I do, you know, between the two practices and whatnot, I'm in the car a lot, so. So I do enjoy, you know, listening to that and learning as I go through. So, um, but as a, as a recent book I've read, you know, I, I would say I uh, haven't read anything recently, um, but I do have a lot of recommendations that I want to get to. But I'd say Game of Thrones, probably even my guilty pleasure has been, I guess, over the past couple of years. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm, I wrote those down and I'll include those in the notes. Game of Thrones and Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And then The Teaching Company, is that a podcast or – a co- an organization? It's actually an organization. So they have a lot of lecture series in there. They get they get university professors that give, this could be a 13, 14-hour lecture series on different topics. And I find them very oh, interesting. interesting too. And they have uh, they have great uh, speakers that will, will uh, present on different topics. So I've, been, I've listened to one on uh, meditation and uh, mindfulness. And uh, so that oh. was very helpful. So and different techniques so just to reduce stress in life and so you know they have they have a, they have a bunch of different uh, it's kind of like a books on tape type of thing but it's like university professors that have recorded their lectures on tape i guess not tape it's more of a uh, in the on, download the app and you can if you go to the teaching company uh, you can see all the different offerings they have and, and I when you spend a lot of time in your car you can you can really learn a lot so i'd gotcha. rather do okay. that than listen to the listen to the news of the day Absolutely, yeah. All right, and then movie recommendation. I'm a big movie uh, fan. What is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, hold on one second. What is your favorite movie of all time? My favorite movie, of course, that's everybody's favorite movie, The Godfather. I love that movie. The Godfather. Whenever that movie's <laughs> on, I can sit down and I can watch that movie, and I can be in the middle of doing something. If that movie's on, then you know my wife knows, oh, he's, he's stuck in Godfather land, so... I like The Godfather. I like any of the kind of the mobster movies. Uh, Star Wars, my son and I are really into science fiction, and, and uh, so we enjoy that, and, and the Marvel movies. So they're kind of like another guilty pleasure that I have. So, um, But if you ask me if my favorite movie would be Godfather. Awesome. All right, and with that, we will um, let you get back to work. I appreciate you taking your lunchtime to chat with us today, but uh, this was fun, and, um, yeah, thank you very much. My pleasure, Chris. It was nice chatting with you. Thank you, everyone, for your attention and listening to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Your feedback and comments mean the world to me. If you liked what you heard, take a second and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. If you've got suggestions for future episodes or want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at chris at chriskiefer.net. And don't forget, I make it a point to include all of the links to the books, movies, and resources that were mentioned in this episode in the show notes. 
You can find those notes directly in the episode description or on my website at chriskiefer.net. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people.